for security? There's a ton of content out there, and if you don't know where to start, it can be overwhelming, even paralyzing. So let's fix that. Welcome to Simply Cyber, a community of tens of thousands of aspiring and active cybersecurity professionals focused on networking, knowledge sharing, and professional development. I'm Dr. Gerald Dozier, Chief Content Creator at Simply Cyber, inviting you to get the answers to your cybersecurity problems with hundreds of cybersecurity videos answering your frequently asked questions, interviewing industry experts, and live streaming daily cyber threat briefings hosted by me. Now get the stories and insights you won't find anywhere else. Hit subscribe now and dig into all the fresh content on the channel and in the community. Nothing should stop you from launching and leveling up your cybersecurity career today. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the show. Today is Thursday, February 8th, 2024. This is episode number 553 of Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Brief. I am your host, Dr. Gerald Dozier, and I'm super pumped because over the next 45 minutes, me, you, Simplest, James Atacudo, Aloha, The Pain, Marco Polo, Medine, ex-developer, folks over on LinkedIn like Jenny Robertstead, folks over on YouTube like Marcus Kyler and the Yeet Crew, we're all going to be shredding the top cybersecurity news stories of the day, and I'll be giving my expert opinion and analysis on each of those stories on what it means to you as a practitioner. So how can you use this information to drive cyber risk reduction? And if you're looking to break in the industry, don't worry, we got you covered. You're going to be asked in any job interview, how do you stay current on industry topics? This is a slam dunk answer. Also, the networking is phenomenal. Networking is so incredibly valuable for your career. The Simply Cyber Community, hashtag Team SC, Mr. Green Reads, Valentino, Victor Egbana, Tim, Mr. Uh, Linda. There's just, it's it's amazing. Get in here, say what's up. There are no silly questions, supportive, inclusive communities. And James McQuiggan, who's literally coming at us from 35,000 feet, um, C3D. Good to see you, James, tuning in from the skies. We're all going to be sharing those uh, cyber news stories. Now, before I get into it, I do want to say shout out and love to the stream sponsors. All of you know them, longtime sponsors and partners of Simply Cyber Daily Cyber Brief. Talking about Barricade Cyber Solutions. Barricade Cyber Solutions is dedicated to helping businesses from cyber attacks and recover from the damage done. Cyber attacks can cause massive issues for businesses and send dedicated, hardworking business owners into turmoil. But don't worry, you know why? Because Barricade Cyber Solutions knows how to yeet the damage done by cyber incidents. They will take those cyber threat actors and cash them outside. How about that? Check them out at barricadecyber.com. Links in the description below. Also want to throw some love at Panopsi Security. Panopsi, listen, get a partner who understands your cyber program and your business goals. Whether you need tactical support like staff augmentation for doing a certain initiative like um, doing an audit or doing an enterprise risk assessment, doing tabletop exercises, they can help you with that. Not only... Um, do them, but if you don't even know, like if you know that you should be doing tabletop exercises, but you don't know how to do them, Panopsi's got you. They can come in and actually train you to do it, so then you can do it yourself. Also, they're pretty good at longer-term strategic things like maturing an information security program, things of that such. I like to think of it as Barricade Cyber is right of boom, and Panopsi is left of boom. Go to panopsi.com, check them out. Links in the description below. Also want to throw some love at Anti-Siphon Training, but more about them at the mid-roll. 
Listen, every single episode of Daily Cyber Threat Brief podcast, I do not prepare or research any of these stories. So I'm not giving you these takes that I've deeply researched. And like, I'm just, you know, like, what is it? Uh, um, oh my God, what's the word? Um, poser. I'm not a poser up here where I like did all this research and then pretend. This, I literally get in the studio five minutes before hit go live. And then LFG. So just know what I'm about to do is hot takes, but I promise you there will be value in the stream. Now, I want you all to know that if you are here, that every episode is worth half a CPE. So say what's up in chat. Grab a screen cap of you in chat. You can see your name will scroll by on stream. There's a reason for that. It's so you can grab a screenshot and file it away. Also, if you watch on replay, drop a comment about uh you know whatever you want hashtag team sc if you can't think of anything because it will timestamp it that's the important thing document that you're here and let's get it let's get it going for you also hey final before we get really into it if this is your first episode welcome to the party pal we love welcoming newcomers whether you were here for episode one like tom pike and base case or you're here for the first time on episode 553 we are a supportive, inclusive, dare I say, loving community. Uh, and we love welcoming newcomers. So if it's your first time here, just checking it out. Don't be shy. Say hashtag first timer in chat. Welcome to the party, pal. We have a sound effect and an emote for you. And we'd love to just welcome you. If it's not your cup of tea, that's cool. No big deal. But we do like welcoming you. Make the circle as wide as it needs to be, everybody. And let's boogie. All right, guys. As, as fun as it is to play... We do have some work to do, as you can imagine. So do me a favor, sit back, relax, and let's let the cool sounds of the hot news wash over us in an awesome wave. I will see you guys at the mid-roll. From the CISO series, it's Cybersecurity Headlines. These are the Cybersecurity Headlines for Thursday, February 8th, 2024. I'm Rich Straffolino. CISA Collaboration Initiative on Thin Ice. CISA launched the Joint Cyber Defense Collaboration in 2021 to enlist outside security experts to share intelligence and help respond to cyber incidents. However, several professionals speaking to Politico said they and many colleagues have either stopped participating or scaled back involvement significantly. Sources cited internal mismanagement and the perception that CISA acts as a politicized censorship body targeting conservatives as reasons for pulling back. A senior technical analyst at Sentinel One went on record saying the initiative has been dead for a while. CISA Executive Assistant Director Eric Goldstein said the agency does not see a decrease in external efforts and that its long-term planning efforts with private industry and intelligence agencies remains effective. Wow. All right. So this is really interesting. I didn't know about this. This is a story I'd like to read more on. Um, first of all, we're going to give, uh, Jenny silly her due. Hello, Jen. Come start in the morning off, right? Grab your coffee, coffee cup. Cheers to Jenny Easterly. Um, so they're saying in this story now, slightly political and reminder, this is not a political show in any capacity. I try to avoid politics and stay on brand really quick though. Nervex 76. Welcome to the party, pal. All right, so a couple things here. One, like obviously the public sector is not well suited with cybersecurity professionals. The NSA has got theirs, obviously the military, uh, cyber command, all that stuff. But by and large, the federal government does need private sector help 
um, in order to be as effective as other countries' cyber capabilities. Also, I want to remind everybody, straight cash, homie. let's be real, straight cash, homie, right? You can go private sector and get paid 4X what you would get for the government. So if you're doing a government stint, it's you're doing it for, um, you know, because you, you want to support the cause, support the mission, get... Um, uh, experience, get contacts, et cetera. Right. No, no one's like, Oh, you know what? I don't need money. I'll just, uh, I'll just go ahead and do this. So, um, this particular one, CISA, CISA set up a, uh, initiative to allow a open line of communication, which by the way, is totally on brand for CISA. One of CISA's like greatest contributions is that they have made public private sector collaboration knowledge sharing, all these things, much more um, mainstream and much more uh, like real and fluid, right? So there's a lot of initiatives that do that. Now, I didn't know about this one, but basically there was a cyber defense collaborative uh, initiative where they would allow um, security researchers to be able to either share information or be um, operationalized, if you will, um, in the, if there was a need for it, cause they did mention, uh, SecOps, uh, defenders. Uh, so I, I would imagine like being able to reach into private sector, uh, talent and deploy them if need be through something. Now in the story, they're talking about how, um, the far right, um, uh, is putting strain on and that here's the thing I didn't get that CISA is being used as a censorship body. I don't know exactly what they're censoring, but, um, this is definitely worth reading. Um, you know, obviously, I'll probably use the chat GPT uh, summarize button here uh, to give me my information because uh, time is important. Um, oh, this is from the CTI League um, during COVID. I see. All right. So there was a lot of this story. Definitely worth checking out. Just as a fun, I guess, fully transparent, I was in the CTI League, uh, which was initially started to uh, provide knowledge share. Um, and it was basically like a on-demand ISAC or information sharing and analysis center during COVID. Cause if you guys don't remember when COVID first hit, there was like an unbelievable slew of like fake COVID domains being registered. There was all sorts of, you know, um, you know, vaccine misinformation and getting masks and like, like just scams and social engineering and stuff all over the place. So the CTI league was like initialized in order to help combat that. I don't know how CIS is being like used to censor anything, but I the final thing I will say, one, I plan on reading this article a bit deeper, and two, and I say this all the time, but um, this is simplycyber.io slash books. This book down here at the bottom, this is How They Tell Me the World Ends by Nicole Pelroth. I talk about this book pretty often. I love this book. If you've read it, you know what I'm, what I'm talking about. But Nicole Pelroth in this book actually outlines the, I guess the, the ecosystem, if you will, where NSA operators get trained up at the NSA, but then they leave their government service and open up a security firm down the street in a nondescript strip mall. And basically they're just four higher, um, like zero day researchers, um, for the U S government. Um, so that's what I thought this was talking about more about, um, you know, oversight or something like that. But just just know that that's another that's another whole uh, ecosystem of like public private sector where the private sector basically comes out of the government, has all their contacts, just ratchets it up the pricing. Uh, so now they're getting paid for their services at private sector pri rates 
but they're still developing tools and weapons, if you will, for the U.S. government. So go read uh, Nicole's book. It's definitely interesting. Iran focusing cyber efforts. A new report from Microsoft's Threat Analysis Center warned of Iran's expanding cyber attack strategies. The report examined Iranian-linked efforts spreading out of the ongoing Israel-Hamas war, finding these efforts quickly escalated from misinformation to more coordinated and destructive tactics. Eventually, Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps Cyber Electronic Command began targeting organizations and nations believed to be aiding Israel under various threat group personas. The report warns that increased coordination with Iranian-linked groups could increase challenges in defending the upcoming U.S. elections. All right. So this is about Iran. Um, it, it's like just as an objective statement, it's always wild to me if you look through history, how like religious based wars um, manifest and, and how much of a motivation it is for people and, or, you know, and uh, communities to, to weaponize. Um, so Iran has had cyber capabilities for some time. Um, remember, if you will, um, Israel and uh, United States uh, basically destroyed a, a uranium enrichment facility in Natanz back in like 2014 using Stuxnet famously. Um, so, you know, Iran, I mean, they were a victim in that case, but they, they've had cyber capabilities for a while. Uh, Muddy Waters is one of their more well-known uh, advanced persistent threat actors coming out of Iran. But what they're saying here is research is suggesting from Microsoft, who has really amazing um, large perspective and, you know, telemetry coming in. So when they when Microsoft research or Google research makes findings, it's usually pretty well informed. Um, they're saying that Iran is becoming more focused, uh, more refined on um, cyber attacks. Now, they're looking to say uh, that critical infrastructure could come under attack. Um, in, in light of the Hamas um, attack on Israel, it, you know, Iran basically started ratcheting stuff up, um, obviously, because a different this, this whole episode is more political than than I would expect. But uh, because of the, you know, um, the alliances, for lack of a better term, like who's coming to Israel's aid versus who's coming to um, Hamas's aid, um, these are causing um, other players to get involved and start targeting basically team on team action. So we're already, the United States is already getting attacked. Like we just saw Volt Typhoon, uh, from China get dismantled by the FBI with cyber command assistance. And, you know, they were up all up in water's critical infrastructure and energy's critical infrastructure or, um, no, not water. Uh, was it Russia that was in the water, uh, sectors we talked about the other day. A anyways, my point is, Basically, the United States is getting jacked up all over the place. So just th like this is another threat actor that we need to be worried about. Um, again, I think don't get lost in the weeds here. The TLDR is um, there's going to be a lot of talk and a lot of uh, very delicate management as we enter the 2024 presidential election season. This is going to get you'll see it's going to get ratcheted up. There's going to be uh, an increase in attacks, increase in all sorts of, you know, misinformation, disinformation. I will say that I haven't got my finger on the pulse of Iran though. Like China, very good at espionage, right? Like they are a number one at espionage. Russia, very, very good at misinformation, disinformation. So those are kind of like their, um, you know, like not their hallmarks, but like when you see it, it's like, oh yeah, that's on brand. Iran, 
They do some uh, denial of service stuff. I think anonymous Sudan is actually out of Iran, which, uh, you know, I know it, you think it would be out of Sudan, but, um, but uh, Iran, they're kind of like all over the place a little bit as far as, as I'm aware. Uh, although they do target uh, critical infrastructure quite a bit. So just be mindful. I guess all I could say is if you work in critical infrastructure, this should be on your radar. Uh, basically, this should be on your radar if you're in critical infrastructure to include energy, transportation, um, fine. Fi I, I would say finance, but we don't see a lot of attack on finance as far as like nation states doing um, critical infrastructure attacks. Water is quite a bit heavily hit. Um, healthcare has been getting hit, but that's more with cyber criminal ransomware threat actors. Ransomware payments crossed $1 billion in 2023. This finding came from a new report from the cryptocurrency analyst firm Chainalysis, up 94% on the year. Part of the large percentage increase came from a marked decline in ransomware payments in 2022, in part due to the FBI's takedown of the Hivesomware operation. For some context, both 2020 and 2021 saw payments over $900 million, which puts last year as an increase, but more part of an existing trend than a stark outlier. Black Basta and Alf V ransomware strains generated the most revenue in the year, while the Clop Group represented a newer strain of big game ransomware strategies with less frequent attacks but higher payouts. Overall, Chainalysis found 538 new ransomware variants in the year. The report contains a lot of interesting findings, so be sure to look for it in our show notes. All right, couple things. How many people here, what do we got, 400 people here? How many people here, when you heard that Microsoft Outlook chime, looked at your Outlook? I, I like literally heard the chime. It must have been in the podcaster's audio feed uh, routed into the audio. I don't have Outlook open, but I was like, oh, geez, like, how, how do I have Outlook running right now? So I don't know if anyone else fell for that, but that was funny. Um, so this, so there's two things here. One, very interesting. The other one, slightly confusing. One, Chainalysis, the company that wrote this uh, report, is uber legit. Uber legit. As far as I'm concerned, they are the definitive authority on uh, blockchain analysis and tracing rants, uh, like pay Bitcoin payment, like all crypto payments, right? Crypto. I'm a crypto evangelist. I love it, love it, love it. All right. So they are definitive. Again, not to go uh, too crazy here, but if you look at uh, this book, where is it? Tracers in the Dark, this book right here by Andy Greenberg. This book goes into uh, a lot of detail or where chain analysis came from and who the uh, the operators are behind it. It is a phenomenal service that is leveraged by law enforcement, international law enforcement, um, investigation. Like it's awesome. So definitely, definitely respect Chainalysis. So if Chainalysis says that ransomware payments have exceeded a billion dollars, I'm taking that to the bank. Um, LOL. Not, not, not a, I wasn't doing a play on words, but um, I'm taking that to the bank. So that's interesting. Um, and one that just really all I could say is this definitely reinforces what we already thought. Ransomware is a blight. Europol, Interpol, United States law enforcement, Dutch law enforcement, you know, there's these major takedowns, Hive ransomware getting taken down, Revo getting a hole kicked in the door. Like all these things happen, but yet the payments it continue to ramp up because it's like cockroaches. Like you need to like tent the house and fumigate the whole damn thing. Like just doing these like half measures 
isn't going to cut it because the threat actors are going to scatter. They're going to reform. They've got all the tools in their toolbox. They've got the network communications, not, not like bandwidth and packets, but like the other threat actors. I'm sure they have a group telegram chat channel that they share info on with each other. So this is uh, something also really quickly. They talk about the 2022 decline. This is a fact. Put this in your pipe. Okay. And take a, take a drag off of it. Or I would say this in a job interview. The 2022 decline in ransomware payments has nothing to do. This is a spicy hot take. And uh, I do need to add the tinfoil hat because I'm about to go off the rails on a crazy train. Here we go. The 2022 decline in ransomware payments and ransomware incidents has zero to do with what we're doing. Like as much as I would love to think that we're doing a great job, like, oh, high five, Jer. No. The Ukrainian-Russian conflict launched in 2022. Do you know what else? A lot of ransomware threat actors operate in Eastern Europe. A lot of them are Russian-based. A lot of them are Ukrainian. Not a lot, but there's a Ukrainian base to them. So when you're getting conscripted, when you're having like you're actively living in a military war zone, all of a sudden your priorities might change from going to work nine to five and doing ransomware criminal operations and maybe like getting your family out, um, conserving resources to be able to do the long haul. Like, getting conscripted into the military and you're no longer working at a keyboard because you're on the front lines holding a, you know, some type of uh, weapon. And you know, you got like a first aid kit or something and some beef jerky. So the ransomware decline, it had nothing to do with us at all, which sucks, but it, that's a reality. Okay. So anyways, the only other thing I want to point out, which piss, I'm sorry to Kennedy, which, which irritates me or makes me mad is that we just saw a story the other day in mods. I don't know if you can grab this. We just saw a story this week, I think, on how ransomware uh, payments were going down um, year over year and how, like, basically, like, we we pontificated. Um, that's for Casually Joseph, triple word score. We pontificated that it was because of legislation, not requiring payments, stronger backups and business continuity planning, tabletop exercises, this right here absolutely contradicts that news report and that analysis. And I'm telling you, do, like for my dollar, chain analysis is the definitive authority. So if chain analysis says this, that trumps whatever the other report is. So it, it, it annoys me. Thank you, J.E. and Michelle. It annoys me that, um, hold on really quickly. I just, now I want to see it. What was what was Monday's date real quick? Monday was the 5th. Uh do 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 do. Just quickly, quickly, quickly. Um Cloudflare announces any dash uh Chicago children spoutable mastodon infected by finance. No, it wasn't Monday. Anyways, trust me, there was a report we covered earlier in the week that uh would have contradicted this. Thank you anyways and 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 what I said about the Russian Ukrainian thing 100% accurate. China accelerating data transfer approvals. Reuters sources say the Chinese government plans to increase the pace of its approval process for foreign firms to send local Chinese data offshore. This comes after rules introduced in 2022 required the Cyberspace Administration of China to approve all important offshore data transfers. This has become something of a sore point for many international firms with a large backlog of approvals. Notably, this expedited process will reportedly operate separately from the CAC's approval process through China's existing free trade zones. 
All right, I, I don't understand this. Like Shanghai and more like China, like um, signed these like data uh, sharing data agreements recently. It was like big news. I didn't really get it. I mean, obviously any data that's coming in or of, out of China, I, again, this is a tinfoil hat. I do not have any evidence to support this claim other than my gut. Uh, any data coming in and out of China is absolutely being monitored, copied, uh, et cetera. Um, Glum Hippo with the super chat. Did we just become best friends? Yep. Thank you, Glum Hippo. Range not satisfiable. That is, and you may notice the $4.16. If I had to guess, the that is a uh, HTTP status code 416. Range not satisfiable. So uh, faster offshore data transfer approvals. Okay. Like, again, this isn't really a cyber story, but I would just I would just caution you that remember when you're talking about network communications at the at the lowest layer, layer one, uh, the physical layer. If someone can tap in or monitor and stuff like that, they can. And you know your your all your data belong to us, right? All your base belong to us. Um, I don't really know much. Like I can't really comment on the story. To me, there isn't much here other than you know. China continuing to do China things. Remember I talked about espionage, you know, stealing data, copying data, whatever. This is kind of on brand for that. That's that. This is like yet another like indicator of what I'm talking about. All right, let's keep going. Oh, Priceless Pancake with a super chat, Priceless. Did we just become best friends? Yep. Yesterday, I successfully led my first IR with the C-suite IR team and crushed it. Thank you for the knowledge bames, uh, bombs contained and eradicated. Very nice. Love it, love it, love it. Um, I love it. That's awesome. Way to go, priceless pancakes. I gotta tell you guys, running the IR, it's high high anxiety. I mean, high energy, a lot of like adrenaline dumps. So uh way to go, priceless pancake. Love it, love it, love it. I, I'm a priceless pancake uh evangelist. I'm, I'm a priceless pancake evangel evangelist. I love it, I love it, I love it. All right. And now we'll word from our sponsor, Fanta. From dozens of spreadsheets and screenshots to fragmented tools and manual security reviews, managing the requirements for modern compliance and security programs is increasingly challenging. Vanta is the leading trust management platform that helps you centralize your efforts to establish trust and enable growth across your organization. Over 6,000 companies partner with Vanta to automate compliance, strengthen security posture, streamline security reviews, and reduce third-party risk. To learn more, go to vanta.com slash CISO and watch their three-minute product demo. That's V-A-N-T-A dot com slash CISO. All right. Welcome to the mid-roll, first-timers, and welcome back to the mid-roll, long-timers. Be honest with me. If you're walking in like a a mall or an airport and you hear this song come on do you not think of simply cyber i anytime it comes on it's like random it'll be like on in an elevator and i'm like oh yeah mid-roll all right guys hey really quick if you're getting value from the show entertainment value educational value do me a solid hook me up with a a like on youtube it goes a long way to basically help other people discover simply cyber on youtube because they're searching for cyber content a lot of cyber people like you like it and then boom there you go we got more first timers coming into chat we're building the community we're hooking people up 
So thank you to the stream sponsors, Barricade, Panopsite, and Anti-Siphon Training. Listen, if you, oh, I got I got uh, more news for everybody. Damn. So listen, Anti-Siphon Training is disrupting the traditional cybersecurity training industry by providing a cutting edge cyber education to everyone, regardless of financial position. They offer students the opportunity to learn skills, practice what is taught, and engage with the community in a fun and inclusive way. If you are in the SOC core skills with John Strand this week, you know how wonderful it is, right? So share your experiences. Don't sleep on anti-siphon training. It is an amazing opportunity and one you should at least check out at minimum. I've taken training from them. Phenomenal. Um, go use the link in the description below. You'll see their calendar of upcoming events. And it's I, I just love it. I love it. I love it. I also want to share with everybody that um, I will be work, I will be streaming with Black Hills Information Security later today. Uh, details at the end. I don't have time for uh, jaw jacking today, but I will tell you about that. Now let's pivot really quickly. I want to tell you about the Simply Cyber Community Challenge. If you would like to spend five minutes a day blowing up your professional network in a meaningful way, check this out. Go over to LinkedIn. Search for the hashtag Simply Cyber Community Challenge and then connect with the people posting, connect with the people commenting on those posts and comment yourself. Simple three steps, five minutes. Phil Stafford currently has the baton. So Phil Stafford posted yesterday. Go find Phil Stafford's post and connect with Phil, connect with the people in the comments and comment yourself. Why? Because the next person who connects with the people in comments is going to connect with you. So for five minutes of activity a day, you can get 23 hours and 55 minutes of passive network growth with like-minded, strong professionals. It's awesome. Don't sleep on it. Now, listen, if you want the baton, if you want to be the one who can share your cyber story, raise your hand and let us know. Phil Stafford. Phil Stafford, if you're in chat, there you are, Phil, my man. Phil is going to tag somebody. If you want the baton, say you want it to Phil right now, and then go over to LinkedIn, share your story, use the hashtag Simply Cyber Community Challenge, and tag me, and we will get you uh, blown up on LinkedIn in a very, very positive way. All about good times. All right. Now, every day of the week has a special segment, and Thursdays is What's Your Meme Thursdays? Our very own haircut fish, a.k.a. Dan Reardon, um, uh, makes custom memes for us, and this one's a good one. So if you don't know, I'm a huge fan of The Midnight. I love The Midnight, and I've bought basically all of their records. You can't see it right now, but like, basically, I have a record player right there off stage, and I have several records of The Midnight, and this is, this is me in my own personal time just jamming on some records. So thanks so very much, Dan. So good. So good. Let's get back to it, guys. Apple open sources image editing LLM. Apple developed this model in collaboration with the University of California, Santa Barbara. The MG model stands for MLLM Guided Image Editing, allowing users to perform pixel-level manipulations of an image with natural language prompts. The model supports global and local edits and is able to handle things like simple color grading to complex manipulations. 
Apple posted MG code and pre-trained models on GitHub with a web demo available at Hugging Face Spaces. All right. I mean, this is cool. Like, I feel like uh, <laughs> I feel like this is such a funny thing. This is like, um, you know, if there's like a little bit of a rumble, uh, you know, like the, the I don't know if you guys have ever been in fights, but like the crowd gathers around and the two people are kind of like talking to each other, kind of posturing, maybe bumping chests or whatever. And then like someone just throws a haymaker from like the front, like from the back row and just like st- turns it into a complete um, hot mess express. I feel like that's what Apple's doing right here. So um, OpenAI with Dolly's been doing things. Midjourney's been doing their things. It, you know, you haven't really heard about Apple doing anything with AI. And then all of a sudden, Apple just throws a, a like a people's elbow from the top rope down on um, the AI space. So one of the things with AI or uh, uh, AI generated art is that, at least in my experience, is you give it uh, a command like, hey, Make a thumbnail for YouTube about uh, breaking into cybersecurity in 2024 and use whatever, cinematic lighting. And then you see, and then you're like, ah, that's not really what I want. And then you like write another query. You don't edit the existing photo. So this is actually quite wild, quite interesting. Um, Obviously, to me, my immediate thought goes to, um, sadly, my immediate thought goes to, uh, making it incredibly easy for misinformation campaigns. Cause now you're going to have like really, uh, well-known photos. Like let's say, let's say, um, Neil Armstrong on the moon, right. Or, or like standing there with the flag. Like you could probably tell this thing, MGIE, whatever it is, like modify this photo to make it look like it's, uh, like, like subtly being filmed at like a Hollywood soundstage, right? Like add some, add some indicators that this could be whatever. And now all of a sudden you've got a famous photo that everyone knows. And then you're like calling attention, like, Oh, look, there's something here. Or like, you know, you got a crowd of people Um, the Zapruder film, right? I mean, it's only a matter of time before they go from still images to video editing. Right? So the Zapruder film put Lee Harvey Oswald, like in the background or put, you know, some high ranking CIA official at the time in the crowd, like, I, I think that this is going to get slippery. Like, actually, I think that this is like black ice, basically. And this thing is going to go all sorts of, you know, like a like a baby giraffe with new legs or whatever. It, it, this is going to be a hot mess express. To me, I think this is going to be weaponized instantly. Love Apple. Love what Apple does. Um, but if a, if a nitwit like me can come up with a weaponized use case in about five seconds, believe me, there's really, really smart people who are criminally minded and you know, that are going to come up with more creative, uh, ideas, but yeah, this is deep fake central. This, this puts the power of deep fakes into like my aunt Donna's hands, you know, which I love my aunt Donna, but she wasn't doing deep fakes before, but now all, all you have to do now is basically describe the deep fake you want. And there you go. Right. So ooh, ooh, ooh. like, ooh, ooh. like this is me adjusting my collar as the steam comes out like, ooh, ooh, ooh. Critical flaw impacts JetBrains TeamCity. JetBrains issued an alert about a vulnerability impacting its TeamCity on-premises CICD platform that opens the door for attackers gaining admin control. The flaw impacts TeamCity versions all the way back through 2017. JetBrains released patches for its current version and a patch plugin for all older versions. JetBrains noted that the plugin only patches this specific vulnerability and advised all users to upgrade to its newest software to ensure patches on any subsequent vulnerabilities. 
No sign of threat actors exploiting the flaw yet, but a similar vulnerability from last year. So exploitation within days of disclosure. Ah, you got it, Patrick. All right. So, hey, here's, I mean, this is one good thing, I suppose. Um, Team City servers, JetBrains, I believe it's a WordPress plugin, maybe of some level of popularity, which would mean it's on a web application, which would mean it's internet facing, follow the lines. This is a CVE, uh, CVSS score of 9.8, which means it's gross, but also not being actively exploited. Give it a minute. It'll be actively exploited. We'll bump it up to 10.0 and then your pants will be on fire. Okay. Um, hold on. Let me use the, uh, the old dumpster fire emote. And then this is fine emote. This is what it'll be in a hot minute. So what I will say, and this is really, really good. JetBrains had a really nasty situation a couple months ago. So the good news is we as really good cybersecurity professionals, trust me, if you're showing up to this show, you're a really good cyber professional. So you've already been engaging with the application team or the IT team or the web dev team or however your organization splits up responsibility over uh, your WordPress systems and stuff. So you already know those people. You already have the uh, communication lines open. You've already gone through like what the patch process would look like. You've probably already discovered what kind of like unexpected, uh, you know, negative impact bringing that system down looks like. So guess what? Leverage the crap out of that and be like, hey, hey, friend. Hey, here's those Krispy Kreme donuts you like so much. Let's get busy on this again. So Hopefully you've um, you've defined workflows, processes. Uh, you know, not a racy diagram, but understand who's accountable for what and who who's involved with what. And uh, you know, this is one of the uh, I guess fortuitous benefits of having a technology that's kind of gross. Um, <laughs> trust me, if you've been running Zixel or QNAP, I'm sure you got that workflow uh, really well defined. Ooh. I'm just throwing shade at Zixel. Uh, but anyways, yeah, long story short, as a practitioner, listen up. If you're running JetBrains, uh, Team City servers, you definitely want to get this sorted out. If you don't know if you're running it, talk to the application IT team. Also, scan your external network interface or uh, use Shodan Monitor to scan your external network interface and identify if you have these systems online. If you do, I strongly encourage that you look at this article and more importantly, the CVE underneath to discover what type of indicators of compromise or IOCs there would be. Because basically when you find a, especially internet facing technology that's vulnerable to something, yes, you should patch it, but you should do some level of due care to make sure that it wasn't exploited before you corrected it. So doing a quick scan, little threat hunting in your environment for the IOCs just to see get some level of confidence. You won't be able to prove a negative. You won't be able to say definitively, there's no way this was exploited, but you will be able to have a higher level of confidence in case you're asked about it. Um, so do yourself a favor, patch it, do a little thread hunting and move on. Ah, you gotta patch it. Windows encryption, no match for a Raspberry Pi. The register highlighted a YouTube tutorial about how easy it is to circumvent Windows BitLocker encryption. The video uses a Raspberry Pi Pico as a signal analyzer to sniff out a device's encryption key as it passes from a discrete trusted platform module to the CPU. This requires on-device access and only works on devices without a TPM integrated into the CPU. This isn't a new security issue for BitLocker. Microsoft acknowledged this type of sniffing as a possibility, but it's characterized it in the past as requiring a high level of effort with significant device modification.
All right. So uh, Raspberry Pis continuing to do what they do. Um, so Windows encryption is one of those controls that's like you set it and forget it. Uh, it's called BitLocker, if you didn't know. Um, apparently, you can use a Raspberry Pico to um, circumvent it. Now, I will tell you, it's a YouTube tutorial. I would assume it's going to get pulled down um, at some point very soon. And if it doesn't, I'm going to be uh, mildly irritated as I've had a video ripped down and been uh, had my um, my wrist slapped heavily by YouTube for posing posting videos that are dangerous and teaching weapons, um, which was a cyber how to fish uh, tutorial. Uh, but anyways, I, I am a little surprised that this can happen. Uh, frankly, like Raspberry Pis, while powerful, they're not like quantum computers. Um, let me see. You do have to have physical access to the device, obviously, right? Like who's like, that's obvious. Um, I'm kind of curious how this works really quickly. You have to have a TPM, uh, separate from the CPU that, okay. That's not impossible. Um, all right. So all this, all this is, it's not, okay. So here's the deal. The Raspberry Pi Pico is not doing computations. It's not crunching numbers and doing a mathematical break of the algorithm. It's basically sniffing a um, the key in transit from the CPU to the TPM chip, which I actually, if I, I, I might be mistaken, but I do think that that um, is a common architecture, not having the TPM in the CPU, but having it as a second one next to it. Uh, so it can sniff it, basically. Uh, that's not a good look. Um, I don't know why it's not encrypted from the CPU to the TPM, since the TPM is the trusted platform module. Um, so anyways, uh, I would imagine that, you know, this is really good pub for this uh, user. And I would imagine that either Microsoft or Intel or whoever the chip manufacturers are, 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 are going to want to respond to this in some way. Also, remember... Um, Remember also that like they have to have physical access, but that's obvious, right? If someone steals your laptop, part of the part of the value of having hardware level encryption or you know um, BitLocker and stuff, File Vault on Apple computers is that oh you can say definitively it's not a problem. Um, this particular uh, one person particularly said, "Congrats, you found the FBI's back door," which is an interesting take. This is not a political show, so I'm not going to comment on that, but it is interesting. And, uh, you know, honestly, if this does not get remedied, that is a concern. Um, so, yeah, there you go. We'll see. We'll see how, now that the secret's out, again, this isn't a, this isn't, well, I guess, is this, this isn't really a, like a Windows thing. It's like a Microsoft thing and it's pre-Windows. So I, I don't know. It, I don't know, honestly, if it's done at the, architecture chip level or it would be at like a uh, software level but you know fortinet and the security stories that weren't the swiss news site argier zitung apologies to the language carried a story that roughly three million electric toothbrushes running java became infected with a botnet and carried out a ddos attack against a swiss business the story made the rounds in the cybersecurity media because Sounds awesome, but Bleeping Computer's Lawrence Abrams noted that there was no record of any attack actually taking place. 
The original story quoted a Fortinet employee, but there's no report from the firm with any details, and Fortinet did not respond to calls for comment. So no details, no victim, no confirmation, and it likely means no real story. In related news, NVD published two advisories on critical command injection vulnerabilities impacting Fortisim. Fortinet's own advisory on the bugs indicated it published details on them back in October 10th, 2023, and listed a previously known and patched CVE. Believing Computer confirmed these CVEs were generated in error and did not represent new vulnerabilities. All right, so really quickly, this, this doesn't happen often, but this is a really interesting situation. So if you were on Twitter last night, if you were on Twitter last night uh, or yesterday, you would have seen, like if you're part of InfoSec Twitter, you would have seen all of this. It was like out of control. And a lot of jokes being thrown around. John Hammond had a couple posts. Uh, I'll show a few in a second here. I literally just opened Twitter and scrolled a little bit and found a post immediately. Like that's how pervasive it is at this time. So long story short, um, there is a smart toothbrush and someone had basically like suggested or used as a, just as a quick case study. Oh, like this could be used in a botnet attack. Right. And I say stuff like this myself all the time, like to my students, like, Oh, like, Hey, a ring doorbell could be compromised. A Nest thermostat, like Mirai botnet was wildly successful at compromising all sorts of IOT things and then utilizing those IOT things in a denial of service attack, distri a distributed denial of service attack um, by having so many bots that it could just uh, push so much traffic. So someone said that just joking around about these toothbrushes and then, you know, like a game of telephone and went from one person to the next to the next and major news outlets picked it up as fact, basically. And this is one of those ones where like, I don't want to say shame on you journalists, but like in our current world, right? In our current society, like be, being the one to get the scoop, being the one to get the clicks, being the one to have the first to, to drop the news story and not validating your sources. Like we, we basically have this perverse incentive for journalists to want to like run a story without vetting it based on limited information because they get likes and, you know, repost, retweets, viral shares, all this crap. Um, and in this instant, it, it kind of bit them in the A. So this did not happen. Okay. It was just a theoretical concept. And you could see here, our information security, InfoSec Twitter, fully aware that it was ridiculous. And just one here, right? Red Siege uh, right here. Uh, you could see Tim Medine, who's over Red Siege. Uh, put in Twitter, denial of servicing plaque since 2024. Red Siege actually released this as a uh, piece of um, collateral. Really funny. Over 3 million sold. What are you waiting for? They're they're talking about like Red Siege is an offensive security pen testing company. Uh, Mike Saunders works there. Tim Medine, obviously. Uh, Jay Con Molly runs uh, the operations over there. They're talking about how like they're they're selling this as a Red Siege uh, tool in their toolkit. Just joking around. I'm gonna go ahead and, and scroll really quickly and just see if I get another infosec Twitter. Uh, oh, hold on. What is this, Jen? Well, hold on. Jen Easterly's here. Let's really quickly. Hi, Jen. Um, see what's going on. All right. Now going back. Look, here's the toothbrush right here. This is an image of a d distributed denial of service attack as the uh, as the toothbrushes. Uh, uh, coordinate together for our, our, our demise. 
Uh, look, there we are. Mr. Reboot, uh, Elmo brushing his teeth. Elmo on the potty. Hold on. Uh, I don't know. It's just here. I want to believe like it's, this is what I'm talking about with InfoSec Twitter. It is hilarious. It doesn't happen often, but I wanted to share a couple examples with you guys in case you weren't like into the flow of InfoSec Twitter. Like it, it felt, you know what it felt like? It felt very DEFCON, like early days DEFCON, like just piling on, being funny, mocking these things. Um, to me, that I haven't even seen this one. This one's hilarious. So that's what's up right there. Not runner, exactly ZMAF. All right. All startups are an inherently risky proposition, but what are the specific challenges for startups in the cybersecurity industry? All right, guys, that's going to do it for today's show. I'm early on purpose. It's 849. I got a couple minutes before I have to run away to go teach at the Citadel. Guys, later today at 4.30 p.m., listen up, listen up, listen up. At 4.30 p.m. today, Jackery Sider, the creator of Darknet Diaries, the number one podcast in the world as far as I'm concerned in the cybersecurity space, is going to be my guest today. I am over the moon excited to talk to Jack and really bring Jack to you guys, the community, because um, I, I do take that... Um, uh, I do take that... Um, what's the word? Um, responsibility very seriously to, to be a steward of the community and bring great content, great people uh, to you. And Jack Recider is excellent. So I can't wait. Bring your questions. Bring your popcorn. We're going to have a good time. Believe that. I also want to let everyone know this is kind of random. I haven't really been talking about this. Um, but today at 1230, I will be live as a guest on Black Hills Information Security's um, channels. So if you want to come hang out, um, I get to be I get to I, I get to be a guest instead of a host for a change. And I love the Black Hills Information Security team. I know many of you know Black Hills Information Security slash anti-siphon. So please uh, come hang out. It'll be fun. I can't wait. I don't even know what we're talking like, Literally, literally have no idea what we're going to be talking about. They said, do you want to be, hey, Jerry, we were thinking of doing a, and I said, I'm in. Like, that's how I feel about Black Hills. They didn't even tell me what it was, and I said I was in. So come on out and hang out. It's going to be all about good times. Uh, got a hell of a week. I got to tell you, uh, launch Cyber 101. I've got to, I've got to, uh, Personally, thanks so much for what everybody's been saying. Really nice things about it. I do have to make some modifications. I don't think I properly communicated what the value is and what the course actually is all about. Um, so I, I do need to tune it up a little bit, but uh, pretty solid launch yesterday. And uh, like I said, I've just got to modify things. In my in my pea brain, uh, I think if I just explain like why the course is great, uh, people will see that. But in reality, I have to explain like what is the impact to the individual. And I totally whiffed on that. So um, so that's that. Also, just a quick little aside for people in case you didn't know, uh, a really fun thing is that um, the Cyber 101 course is actually going to be uh, officially accredited uh, and worth three college credits. But I can't I can't put that on any of the marketing collateral yet because it's still going through the um, the process. Uh, yes, the, the zoom link is, I, I dropped it in chat. I'll drop it in chat again. So come hang out and I'll, Hey, I'll drop it on uh, YouTube as well. I mean, uh, on discord. Oh my God. Can I just share this really quickly? 
Uh, actually, there's like, uh, I was going to share, uh, James McQuiggan sent me a picture from 35,000 feet, but it's got some, um, it's got some uh, sensitive information. And so I will not be sharing that. Anyways, very cool. Um, all right, guys. You know what's another really cool thing? Just to share, like just to share. Um, I'm having, right after, um, right after uh, class ends today, I'm going to have coffee with uh with a really really cool guy um actually i can't even i don't never mind sorry <laughs> sorry to tease um uh oscar flores asks about jason dion i'm not sure i'm familiar with jason dion let me google jason dion and see uh is it from dion training solutions is it this guy Probably this guy. Yeah, I don't know. I don't, maybe, sure. Uh, I'd love to, if you guys want to hear from him, I'd be happy to see if he wants to come on the show. Thanks, the Grot. Oh, thanks, Nicole. You're very kind. Very kind. I know Alpha Sierra. It's more about protecting that guy than it is about, um, Actually, you know what I can say? I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this. I'm having coffee with an individual who is a high-ranking information security professional in the federal government. And when I say high-ranking, I mean, like, very high. <laughs> like, regularly meets with um, the leader of the executive branch. So... I'm pretty excited about that coffee date too. Um, Jack is going to be on the stream at four. No, no, no. So Jack, so I'll be on Black Hills from twelve thirty to two, and then um, Jack will be on from four thirty to five thirty. Yeah. So, anyways, that's pretty cool. Oh, very cool, Valentino. I appreciate that. Yeah, maybe we can get that. You know, I Unix guy, so DJ Manny, uh, Unix guy and I tried to collaborate on a produced video. It's just so hard because he's in Australia and the time zones are so jacked up. Um, and then um, Josh Matacor. I, I reached out to Josh. I, I even like subbed to his YouTube channel, but I, I don't know. He didn't really, he didn't, he didn't seem warm to, to, wanting to collaborate with me. So I, I, I don't know. I, the way I roll, there's just not enough time to do all the things. So like, if I don't get, if someone doesn't want to, if someone doesn't like reciprocate, I don't chase after them. Uh, just cause you know, it's just, I'd rather, you know, move on and respect them. Yeah, I know. Um, you told me that Unix guy has one. Valentino, if it was, I would be, I would have ended the stream already. <laughs> oh, cool. Thank you. Hey, so some of you do not know, uh, Kev Tech IT support, Kevin Apolinario. Good to see you, Kevin. Love Kevin. Uh, so in addition to like my Cyber 101 course being open to the public, I'm actually also uh, deploying it through a college with a cohort of students going through it. Um, and Kevin's very familiar with that. So um yeah, I'm super pumped. Oh, yeah, super pumped. Okay. 
Lagrat, <laughs> you're funny. All right, guys, super pumped. Great stream today. First timers, welcome to the party, pal. Welcome to the party, pal. I hope you come back tomorrow. Uh, it's all about good times up in here. And um, all right, guys, I'm going to giddy, giddy, giddy up. David Gordon. David Gordon? Is that the David Gordon? Hold on. If David Gordon is the David Gordon I'm thinking about, let me say hello. I love myself some David Gordon. Hello, David Gordon. There we go, my friend. David Gordon. If it is the David Gordon I think it is, I'm going to send the woo. And an anime wow. Good to see you, David. David's one of my very good friends. Love, love David Gordon. Gary Sturgiotis. Okay, there you are, Gary. Gary, I uh, message received, Gary, and I'm actually uh, handwriting a response. But yeah, Gary, uh, got got that uh, got that communication, and uh, super awesome, super awesome, bro. Uh, we'll talk more about it. Um, it came it came last night. So, all right, guys. I hope that I hope we can hang out. Um, I hope we can hang out at twelve thirty with uh black hills I'll, I'll post it in discord um and then obviously jack reciter uh later today which is gonna be so sick so dope i'm jerry from simply cyber really shout hey quick shout out uh did we get hey did we get someone for the uh the baton pass tony Parrish? did did we get the baton passed uh let me know i don't know if we got the baton passed Um, much love for the mods. I, I want to tell the mods. Thank you so very much, guys. The show is great, but it's so much better because the mods are here and the mods do so many good things. Uh, love it. Love it. Love it. All right. I don't know if someone got the baton. Well, well we might have to do this, uh, asynchronously. But I do got to go. I got to go teach. I'm Jerry, your chat. Thanks so much, everybody. And until next time, stay secure. I'll see you at 1230. If you enjoyed that content, keep the cybersecurity train going by connecting with the other Simply Cyber community resources. We have the Discord server that's lively and always keeps the conversation going. You can connect with me directly on LinkedIn. And also every single weekday morning on the Simply Cyber channel, we're doing live daily cyber threat briefings, 8 a.m. Eastern time as well as Thursday at 4.30 p.m. We're doing live stream interviews with industry experts, and we produce videos that we push out every Wednesday morning. I'm Jerry from Simply Cyber. I hope you enjoyed the content, and we'll see you in the next one.